Ladies and gentlemen, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Mike Erie here with the, the stuffy nose. Tim Stafford rocking the red hot chili peppers hat today. That's right. It is um, it is eighty uh, in oh. uh, Nashville, heading to uh, the nineties, upper nineties later this week. So we're excited about that. You said it's raining in your place. It's in the sixties. It's pouring rain. It's wonderful. It's I was going to say. I was going to say if Tim, if Tim Stafford was a weather pattern, this is it. Sixties and rain. We saw that massive fire, so this is necessary. We need yes. some water. We need some water from the heavens. If I were a weather system, what would I be? What would you be? I think when I think of you, I think of snow. Snowflake. Do you like the Perfect. snow? Yeah, I hear the snowflake. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm, hear, I'm hearing that loud and clear, Stafford. Thanks, man. <laughs> yep. Um, Way to read between the lines. Yeah. I'm thinking of, uh, I think I'm more the, like the great pumpkin. So I'm going to go with, um, I'm going to go with guys. a 65 degree crystal blue clear sky. With uh, with wind, fall leaves, fall leaves, wind kind of stirring up the leaves on the street. You know that rustling sound. Oh yes, oh yes. That's, that's where I'm going. What was his name? Lee Majors, the fall guy. Yep, the fall guy. Well done. Yeah. Hey, um, we've got a full show today. What we're going to do is we're going to put a bow um, on the culture warrior conversation, or at least this iteration of it. Uh, we've gotten just so many good emails and one in particular critique that we just want to give some uh, airtime to. So this is going to be a bit of a bit of review, maybe a bit of summarizing where we've been. And then next episode, um, we're going to go back to the, the insults. And then we've got a couple interviews coming up. So, you know, it's all hands on deck here at the uh, Voxology podcast. But before we do anything else, I want to say thank you to some folks and and you're I welcome. love and I you're first of all thank you and you're welcome um but we're getting some really creative names for <laughs> patreon supporters um I, I want to say thank you to first name how you <laughs> last name doing so thank you d-u-n-e yeah dune perfect uh, so how you doing? Thank you for your generous support. Emily, thank you. And that's a name that doesn't need any embellishment. For Emily, wherever she may. What is that song? It's an I Art got Garfunkel nothing. song. You know, oh, okay. It's an, Art, an Art Garfunkel deep cut. Perfect. Aaron, thank you for your generous uh, gift as well. And then Poochie Plex. Poochie Plex. Yep. So we'll just say thank you to you guys. Um, again, we're crowd, a crowdfunded 501c3, which means everything is tax deductible. I have been battling a cough for literally three months, and I don't know what's going on. Um, it certainly adds some resonance to my voice, which is right. which is some great. Gravitas. Oh, some gravelly. So thank you to that wonderful crew. You can go on to voxologypodcast.com, uh, find out more about us. We're a 501c3 that's completely crowdsourced and funded. 
And, man, we are completely humbled by the incredible team of people who um, who uh, financially support us and all the work that we're doing. So, Timothy. Yes. I, so let's combine forces here for just a brief Tim's Troubled Times and Mike's, um, what was Miserable mine? Moments. Miserable Moments. Because a couple of things happened this week <laughs> that were were slightly slightly upsetting uh, to the both of us. Do um, you want to go go first with some um, with some Martha's Vineyard reporting? Yeah, we all saw that cross through the the news feeds. Um, immigrants and some refugees being bussed and or planed from. Florida and Texas to Martha's Vineyard or to DC, mm-hmm. which seems at this time like it was largely a political stunt using human beings as the pieces. Maybe we'll see that. I don't. I can't imagine how it's going to play out differently. But um, that was very. And th- this is kind of at the root of everything that started this conversation a few episodes ago, where I am struggling with political campaigns that are done under the name of Jesus that are harming actual human beings. Right. Human beings, as the BFG says. Yes. What did one bean say to the other bean? How you you bean? Exactly. How you dune? That's funny. What did the bean say to the sand dune? (laughs) How you bean doing? How you bean doing? Yeah, how you beaned it? Well, and and it doesn't matter. I mean, I, and I don't know. I haven't I haven't looked at a lot of the details, Tim. But some of what seems to be uh, portrayed is that these were Venezuelans who were misled about what was on the other side of the trip. Right. Is and that, some of the documents seem to have been misrepresented that they filled. Yeah. So it's. It all seems awfully nefarious and a huge political stunt and terrible for families, a continuation of terrible things to people looking for refuge in our country. But Yeah. And, and regardless of your specific view of whether the border should be more closed or open or whatever, um, I, don't, I don't get how Jesus people would treat other image bearers that way. In any way, shape, or form, for Not some political points, you had a great conversation with Matt Sorens back uh, in the day. Yeah, yeah, maybe two years ago or so. Yeah, yeah. And you guys kind of came up to a real, like, precise, like, this is how. Can you repeat it? You guys yeah, had, like, Matt. A- listen, Matt. Man, Matt um, works for World Relief and has been all over this for years. He was talking yeah. about this issue for years. I think I met him. 10 or 12 years ago and his argument and i i just am like you know i don't know much about immigration law at all yeah but his argument has always been let's make it harder to enter illegally let's make it easier to enter legally and then let's provide amnesty and some path to citizenship for those who are already here yeah and i mean that that does seem commonsensical to me. I'm not going to stamp it as the Bible's view, 
because we're against stamping um, the political and partisan policies with biblical authority. Unless you're the Patriot edition. (laughs) Yes, indeed, if if that were true. Um, But that that seemed very commonsensical to me. And um, it's just the 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 idea uh, the idea that there that the somehow Jesus's name gets attached to these sort of political maneuverings involving image bearers. I just uh, that's super devastating. Yeah, that's taking the Lord's name in vain. I mean, that's yeah. And and speaking of that, for Mike's miserable <laughs> moments. Segway. Yeah, I mean, so there were just three things. And and I don't know, you know, we don't want to spend so much time reacting to things in culture um, that we just become, you know, trolls of all the people who are right. doing and saying things that we think are idiotic. But there are some prime examples that serve as sort of exemplars of movements that seem seemingly need to be resisted, you know, yes. in a certain circles. And so... Uh, Al Mohler, who I used to have a ton of respect for back in the day, he now that's a, is. That's a common. The, that's a, I feel like that's a common theme. <laughs> totally, um, he's the president of um, the largest um, Southern Baptist Seminary. He is not a fringe figure in any way, shape, or form. No. And um, in 2016 was very, very concerned about Christians supporting uh, the former president's candidacy. Yeah. And like wrote very scathing indictments of any evangelicals that would get on board with this. But he came out, he was at a um, pray vote stand summit, <laughs> which, I mean, you know, the the packaging of those three terms already tells you yeah. this is not very Jesus-y. Um, but in that summit, he argues that um, if, you vo- if you do not vote or if you vote wrongly, you are unfaithful. You've been unfaithful to God. Yeah. And, and, and clear from his context, his speaking schedule, and things he said elsewhere, what he means by vote wrongly means vote um, democratically. Vote, right. not, vote for the Democratic Party. Yes. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully we're all voting democratically. But um, the, in, in that way, the fusion of fidelity to God and Republican uh, politics is complete. That now a litmus test of fidelity to God is whether or not you exercise your right to vote yeah. and, and that you vote the right way. Yeah. Horrible. And uh, I mean, uh, I the only word that comes to mind is just blasphemous. That yeah. that um, that fidelity to God means in this instance a very narrowly defined exercise of a um, political um, opportunity to cast our vote, um, but is now defined in terms of discipleship. And I just, I, I mean, this has to be resisted with all of the enemy love, pray for those who persecute us energy that some <laughs> of us have, because, um, because it is. I mean, we've, we've seen it for years. It's now just becoming explicit. 
yeah. that to be Christian just means to be Republican. Yeah. And um, and good Lord, if 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 that isn't an example of making po- your political partisanship an ultimate and defining thing for you, yeah. I don't know what else is. And it then really shows you maybe why Jesus didn't come as a actual like political figure. Yeah, brick and mortar pl- political figure. Like well, just I mean, looking he, at the mess that we're in. Well, he did, right? In one but sense. But not in the way that they were expecting. Like, yes. What they yes. wanted him to be. It's like, nope, I'm going to do this version instead. Everyone's like, well, we were waiting for this. Now we look at where we are. And it's like, oh, good thing. Yeah. Maybe he I mean, did something we didn't. We're we're just redoing the the first century yeah. uh, political debates in in Israel over you know Rome's influence. We're just redoing those, and Jesus would have the same response. Yeah. Then I, I in my Twitter feed a guy named uh, Dale Partridge who said some colossally um, tragic things about women in ministry and and other things. Just said nobody is aiming for Christian nationalism. It is a result of faithful gospel proclamation. Gross. What happened as a result of the apostles? Rome became a Christian nation. (laughs) Now, just a couple of thoughts. Um, And again, we have much better things to do. But this sentiment is taking on very concrete language um, and and, um, an expression. And so, so Jesus never said, go into the nations and make the nations Christian. Um, he, he said, go to the people of the nations and make disciples. That's, the, that's just such a tiny point. But Rome never became a Christian nation. I mean, the idea that Rome, who, who put a cross on uh, the shields... Uh, on their shields and conquered people through violent means in the name of Jesus, that somehow was a Christian nation. And then thirdly, how the crap did that work out for Christianity? How can you point to that with any modicum of intellectual integrity and say that was a good thing? Right. It helped Rome. It didn't help Christianity. Not at all. And, um, and so the irony is is that what turned out to be a colossally dark chapter in the church's history is now being pointed to as an example of what happens when we do Christianity right yeah, of how we should do it right and you're just going what this was this was a catastrophe now obviously <laughs> god uses all there are things that came out of that period of church history that are good things but Christianity did not stay Christianity when it fused with Rome. Right. Nor can Christianity stay Christianity if it's fused with any political and partisan party. Um, political partisan party is saying the same thing like multiple times. But <laughs> That's a three P's. You, know, you hit your pastor note. And then there's a dude, a pastor... Um, who is uh, speaking at a rally who uses the language uh, to say, I'm, I'm coming here to declare war on every demonic, demon-possessed Democrat that comes from the gates of hell. Jeez, Louise. So let's combine these three 
elements into, right? You're unfaithful to God if you don't vote this way. Yeah. Christian nationalism isn't a bad thing. In fact, it's the goal of right. faithful gospel proclamation. And anyone who sees it differently is demon possessed and coming from the gates of hell. At least they're being like straightforward now because they used to beat around the bush and be like, oh, we're not advocating for this, but here's some ways you should be living. Now they're just like, nope, this is it. Yeah. <laughs> now, the temptation for people like you and I is to take up the culture war banner in opposition. Right. Right? And to simply start trolling and, um, you know, agitating in old creation ways yeah. against this. And so the hard part, as Gombas has reminded us over and over again, isn't being Christian, it's staying Christian. Uh, when things happen in the world and you're tempted to get off your cross to fix them. Totally. Tim and I were at a church last week. Um, I was speaking. Tim was there. Um, uh, judging. Ju judging. Critiquing, <laughs> definitely not clapping. And one of the things we were talking about has been an extension of the of this pray, series of podcasts. Stand or what was the third thing? Sing. You didn't pray, stand. Oh, oh, pray or vote. You did oh. neither of those, Timothy. Yeah, I don't know if any voting happened, but not out of protest. I just felt awkward being back in church. <laughs> we vote with our feet, Timothy. Right. So the fact that you didn't stand was a vote in and of itself. But um, one of the one of the things we were talking about in, in the church context was what are some lessons we've learned from church history yeah. about the current moment? And one of those was um, if it doesn't act like Jesus, it's not Christian. Yeah, and that I, that's just true and end of story. Uh, and if you don't know what Jesus acts like, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then repeat over and over and over. Or if that's too much, read Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount. And the word Christian should only apply to things or people or whatever that act like that. Doesn't yes. matter what they call themselves, doesn't matter what they say, they can say we're brothers and sisters in Christ, whatever. If it doesn't act like Jesus, it's not Christian. End of story. The second big point we made was um, a faithfulness is more important than effectiveness. And that's obviously what prompted this, right. you know, kind of meandering sort of series of conversations. Uh, but the third point, and this is the one where I, I'm really tempted to uh, kind of uh, wander from this one. But the point is, there's nothing so urgent in the world that would require us to get off of our crosses in order to fix. Right. And 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 that was um, that was something Gombas had introduced. Man, I don't know how many years ago, but the idea that that Christian identity is cruciform, right? Or um, uh, one of our listeners said cruciform. Um, either either is great. Um, but the idea that, that the identity we have is imitating the Jesus that had all the rights and prerogatives of right. deity, but poured, he emptied himself of those. It did not use them to gain more for himself, but rather used them and poured themselves out and self-expended in service to others. And that, that's what it means to take up our cross. Um, 
And so that, that, that cruciform posture is to characterize Jesus' followers. And that means we're forsaking the way of power, manipulation, coercion, you know, influence. Um, Shame, fear. Yes, all of it. All of the old creation dynamics that are not cross-shaped. And we're embracing reconciliation, lament, weakness, listening, hospitality, and so on. And Gamas had been making the point that, like, you take parenting, and we've talked about this, right? When yeah. your kids are doing things that you don't approve of, it's very easy to come with top-down authority and control. But that doesn't solve whatever it is that's happening. There, there could be a place for that if they're harming themselves. But yeah. that's, not, that's not loving them into their future. That's not how, how sort of Jesus matures us in the faith and in relationship. But the hardest part is, it, like when you, when you are trying to see, you're, you're hoping that someone will become a Christian, it's very tempting to get off of your cross and stop acting like a Christian in order to make and invite someone else to be a Christian. You know what I mean? So we yeah. pressure, we use fear, whatever. Well, this is so true in politics, where I see the, the strands of this sort of fusing of Jesus following into and, and with one particular partisan allegiance. And I, I just want to wanna throw up my hands, roll up my sleeves and go, okay, well, let's duke it out. <laughs> and, that's, and that's precisely the place where we right. can't do that. Yeah. No, it's interesting to look at Jesus on the cross and and like as you're everything you just said, I'm trying to play back through my head the different interactions that he had from that from that place, what that looked like on the cross, and like the interactions with the people that are there, the interactions with the guy that's next to him, obviously, like right. all of it is compassionate and intentional while like being nailed to the cross. Like it's a, it's, right, an, it's, right. and it's an interesting thing to look at in like in the actual context of what that is and then try to extrapolate out. What does that mean? Totally. To not get off of your cross and kind of sit there for a second and think about my posture. And cause I was like, I was thinking like, first of all, even though we've like kind of beat this topic to death, this is the topic <laughs> that we get the most feedback on and questions about is kind of like how to how to how to exist what does it mean to be cruciform what does it mean to to remain on your cross what does it mean to resist but not to fight back what does it mean right to right live yes in this evangelical tension and we just so we get so much on this topic so much and this That's week why there's there was a conversation on hell or on uh, facebook about hell people debating hell and or just which like is an horror. appropriate venue by the right. way, because <laughs> it is hell. The core, like our core doctrines, I started thinking about how church is defined by its doctrines throughout history, like different eras of the church or evangelicals uh, to, for our shorter history, like were defined by certain uh, belief right. systems or ideas from those time periods. And as church evolves to stay, whether it's to stay relevant or to accommodate or whatever, those doctrines also start to change and that goes all the way down to like church mission statements right and like this is what our church stands for this is what our church thinks and so a lot of people when they're looking for churches they'll look at church mission statements and be like oh 
do these core doctrines meet what I think or not? And then no, I'll move, I'll find the one that does. And so our churches or our denominations, then the fractures all define themselves by rules or doctrines or whatever. Like this is who is in, this is how yeah. you remain in, this yeah. is who is not welcome, etc., etc. But then I started thinking about the Sermon on the Mount and how Jesus navigated that entire conversation, that entire sermon, where he ended it. And then like, how, how do you extrapolate out that to the way that we do our current model? Cause that model is all about like, take loving your neighbor, for example, our current model of what this. our current model of what those doctrine, the doctrinal system that shapes our, Oh, okay. Okay. Our communities and our, in our faith on, as a large whole. Cause I think that's what gets us into these Al Mohler holes and yeah, Sean okay. Foyt holes and all these kind of things where it's all about these rigid lines and somebody has to be the yeah. one that dictates what those are. Yeah, yeah. But Jesus, like, love your neighbor. So I started thinking about that and how you, your neighbor is totally different than my neighbor. Yep. And to love them, I have to understand their journey, who they are, where they're, what brought them to my doorstep or me to their doorstep. Totally. And your neighbor is totally different than that. And then yeah. on top of that, you're very different than me. So the way that you have to love your different neighbor is different than how I would even approach loving my different neighbor. Right. And right. So you can't have a, a set of rules on how to do that because you have to be super intentional with how you like meet right. that person and walk with them and love them for a long time. And then I started thinking about that with love your God too, with how different you and I are <laughs> as individuals. Totally. All the different mental health journeys that we've been on and what it takes for us to be quiet or to love God. Um, and to like, so that you can't have a set of rigid rules because there's like a, you have to do it really intentionally with who you are to who God is. And so I, it, the whole thing's so antithetical. <laughs> the model is, is it's really hard to, somebody was talking about the history of ev evangelicalism and the phases that it like has mm. gone through. And it's like, it's, it's just weird when you look at it on paper, you can see the outside perspective uh, onto what we're doing. And then with those voices that are, you know, the molars and the foits and right whoever else it's like what a mess right how do we exist outside of that because we we need we want people to tell us this is how you live this is how you do it so we can just exist in life and know that we're safe yeah. and gonna yeah. go to heaven because we hit the rules but it just yeah. doesn't seem to work that way that seems like jesus kind of up ended all of that I was like hey yeah you heard it said, but I say, you heard it said, but I say it's going to, you know, this is a little bit more, you have a little bit more agency and a little bit more of a role to play in this than just checking boxes. That's the center focus boundary focus, right? The, exactly. The, that, yep. I mean, that, this is playing out and the danger for, for me when confronted with those three statements is to boundary them Yes. outside of the in-group. Yep. And so that posture isn't available to me so what 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 we instead do is we keep trying to draw attention back to jesus right um and um and what jesus how jesus lived how he acted and that um and to try to embody that in local community so that there are other options out there but i think there are forums where if it's done with gentleness and in good faith um we can we can talk about things that are being said publicly yes to just give a, a different perspective and i do think there's room for that um we don't we don't you know 
um, I think it was Nietzsche that said, you know, beware in fighting the dragon lest you become the, become dragon, the dragon you're fighting. Yeah. yeah. And that's totally. just so, so hard. And I, I think a lot of these issues is like how to, it's not writing off a group of people. That's why the Mueller thing, like I don't really care. It's just unfortunate. But when it comes down to like advocating for human life, there are some very tangible things and it's not writing off a party necessarily or a group of people. It's like, how do we make that not a reality? Yes. And that's where, and that is exactly where, as a, a kingdom of God person living in embodied community, I cannot pick a side because our disciple, our culture has only been discipled to see insides. I have to be a part of a place that it's the table that holds us together, regardless of our political views. And then out of that community, I work Right? We've talked about this very practically. Yeah. The outworking is in the public sphere, but I don't do that as I do that because I'm a Christian. What I don't do that is make my action the litmus test for whether or not someone's faithful to Jesus. Right. And I think that's the that's the rub. That's the thing to figure right. out how that works. Cause I think that also answers a question with from so many emailers are like, Hey, how do I do church? Like, I get it, I get your center set thing, I get your new creation dynamics, I get this kingdom the philosophies now, and then they'll write and say, Hey, where is this church Mike or whatever the last week's question was. Right. Like that's the, it's the practicality of, or like the, the meat and potatoes of it. Like, okay, now how, now how do we do this where it's not just a conversation or how do we make it? So it's not hyperbolic. How do we make it like the reality of who we are as a people? I think everybody that listens is most not obviously not everybody. But I think a lot of people have come to understand and agree with you on that idea of like, this is not, we're being discipled by two entities that are not the, what we claim, you know, this idea of the third way or a different way or whatever. Now it's like, okay. And I, and I like, I'm, I'm just reiterating that because I think it's a thing to hold over as we go through all different yeah. conversations. Like, hey, here's a new idea. Here's a new theology or whatever. A new, like we're going to get into some understanding tidbits now it's like but how do we how do we embody these things and and go out and do that how do we take the table out into the world so to speak so let's take that that's so good tim and keep pounding that please (laughs) so here's so i look at i look at a guy like albert moeller i don't judge whether or not he's faithful to god or not i think he's absolutely wrong and i think he's harming yeah Right, I think his view is harmful. I don't think it's right. I don't think it's biblically faithful. And I think he's wrong. Okay, so what are my options? Um, one option, of course, is that I can, you know, uh, embark on a campaign of relentless trolling. Right. I can meme him and declare on social media or unleash my Christ-like brother who has been known to troll uh, certain folks who are trolls of ours um i can I, I can unleash a relentless campaign of negativity i can attend his events and protest i can call him out on all platforms and just be relentless in that right okay great that's an option um i want to take the anger and the energy and the frustration i feel to create the beautiful alternative right right and so i think because he's a public figure and he has said this publicly, I don't think it's um, necessary to approach him as I would in private if he'd somehow sinned against me privately. Right. I think we could say, 
well, I think he's wrong. And here's what the alternative would look and feel like. Yeah. I think that is a far better use of the energy that something like that provokes, right? Yeah. So, so you take, um, uh, let's say you, you are deeply troubled by um, the political maneuvering around this busload of, um, or flight, I guess, of Venezuelans. And, and do we have all the info? No. Do we know how much they knew? I mean, I'm reading conflicting reports. Fine. It will, everyone will try to politicize this. They already, already have. But um, at a fundamental level, Nashville is receiving lots of refugees. So if I'm pro-refugee, it's, it's fine to sit in, you know, like um, – deeply troubled sort of uh, deeply troubled posture regarding what's happening in other parts of the country, but it, the needs also sitting right here. Right. You know what I mean? So I'm totally. trying to get us out of the, the, the posturing that says, Hey, the world really needs to know whether or not I agree on this thing. And to say, no, no, I'm actually, I'm actually building the alternative. I'm going to take all that angst and all that energy and build the alternative. Totally. And I think resistance. my problem a lot of times is like, I think I have as maybe a function of anxiety, like, a, and I'm making this term up. Do like it. A, an Do empathetic, it. Like an empathetic anxiety where I, I, when I see the, read the article about the people being sent to Martha's Vineyard. I start just thinking about individuals within that. And then I get wound up on like, I don't want to just talk about the issue. I want to talk about that single individual person. Who's like the fires up here. Like we have so many people who have been displaced for over a week now mm. and all mm. the students from the high school that almost burned down yesterday or two days ago are at my wife's high school. And these kids, like they don't know if their homes have burned down. They don't know if like, they don't know when they get to go home. So they're 15, 16 14 and they have this weird existential dread hanging over them of like you know they're young and they can't process if they have a home and they can't process like and they're they're like they are in their own kind of way little refugees out of their little town into this town totally totally and the school district is not treating the teachers super well and not giving them a lot of options and there's all these little things and you're like you're trying to figure out yeah there are there are direct ways that i can help these kids and we're trying to like raise gift cards and make sure that all their needs are met and that kind of stuff. And there's a very straightforward, intentional <laughs> yeah. way yep. that no politics, no nothing. Yep. It's just like, hey, here's a specific need. Let's meet that specific need and try to love on the kids a little bit, make them feel seen and heard and known and know that we know, understand that their situation is really shitty and you know that we want to kind of come around them with that. So that I see that in my tangibly in my community as, as a simple way to kind of directly love somebody when i see on the other side of the country this stunt and these individual lives that are being like just how who whoever's at fault whoever wants to politicize at the end of the day there are still humans that are being totally. pushed around and treated as though they're less than that i my brain immediately is just like how do we make this not happen ever again yeah and I realize that that's a, like a huge global problem, but my brain, I'm, I'm trying to justify where, what has spurred on the last four weeks of conversations where it's like, I see that I want that not to happen again. That does not look like kingdom living to me. That does not look like humans being dignified into their full humanity at all. Totally. 
So how do I make that not happen again? I probably can't, but I wrestle in the, the dread of that. And that's kind of what, uh, so what, so what's that dread? What's that dread? Well, it's not dread, I guess. It's just, it is an angst and it is a, but I, there is like a real anxious empathy to it. And I don't mean and there, that to and sound. And there should be. Right. And I, and so I, I think that I react out of that a lot and it's an emotional response to something. But the, but then when I logically pick it apart, I am looking at humans and I am yeah. looking at kids who've been in, separated from families for four or five, six years now that will probably never see their parents again. Yeah. And yeah. that's... Do I, yeah, that's that's their whole life. Their entire and is that, life. And is that taken. Christ? Would we say that's Christ centered? No, hell no, hell and no. So I, it's like, how do I advocate to make sure that, that doesn't ever happen again? And again, I don't know that I can, but that's what the, is at the root of all this. I see people using other people as tokens, mm-hmm. and that's really that really agitates me. <laughs> yeah, abs- as it should. As it should. The issue, the issue then is I want to help our imaginations go from when in your when you're in that state of agitation, go from thoughts like, well, we just have to we have to get rid of all the Republicans. Yeah, and um, I, that's not where my no, 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 I know, I know you're not saying I this. Do. I know, I don't know, I know you're not saying this, but I'm saying what we're trying to 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 change the conversation a little bit, right? away from purely partisan solutions to purely partisan problems to say um, we need bigger imaginations correct that's it that's it that the yeah. that the that the the range of options in a culture that's discipled by two political and polarized parties yeah. with their own agendas with their own agendas have have almost pre-programmed us in in specific ways that are not furthering kingdom ends but feel like they are right because it's old creation dynamics to try to accomplish new creation things yeah and so whether that's protesting um outside of whichever governor it was um it was abbott and desantis there you go you're wondering yeah there you go you know praying god's blessing over them and That's what blessing I with a heavy B. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I, maybe we've exhausted this conversation. But speaking of that, Timothy. Yes. Um, we got a, um, a, a, or I got pretty a pretty sustained critique email that we've been given permission to read. Go ahead and start with the original. Cause the original I, one says, Mike. I wonder if you listen to yourself sometimes. The answer is? No. I don't. But the answer is that Tim does. Tim, as the editor, has to, yes. But we have to pay him to do it. We we have to pay him to do it. He wouldn't do it for free. I'm not a martyr. No. So so two things (laughs) we don't have in the Erie House are mirrors and uh, recording playback devices that play podcasts because... Seth I can't imagine. Though. I can't imagine what this voice sounds like. <laughs> All right. In your effort to both sides everything, you portray fighting for individual rights and the right to bear arms as equally bad to fighting for justice and equality for all people. See episode 367, the 51-minute mark. 
for your latest example, why, why do you consider them equally bad? I will work hard for one and against the other, and I don't understand why I should be regularly communing with those who are against justice and equality. Yeah. It's a great question. That's, that is a great question. And, that, that, and then it strikes it exactly the tension we've just been discussing. Yep. Right? Well, why should I be communing with people who don't see it the same way? Yeah. But so, so I wrote back and I said, hey, thanks for the critique. Can I read this? Uh, because we, we try to, you know, um, listen to particularly the people who uh, are disagreeing with us, for sure, because we're not right. Um, on everything we we figure we estimate we're wrong about 30 percent of the time and we just don't know what 30 percent and so and i i think everyone has established me as not right but left oh my (laughs) timothy stafford (laughs) i have nothing Uh, to say in response but i wrote i wrote (laughs) this individual back and i said hey could you explain more about what you mean by both sides i don't I don't remember saying everything was equally bad. And then he wrote back. So he wrote back and said, um, I'll do my best to clarify. I guess I don't understand your both sides argument. You sound, you do sound like Donald Trump, but I am Canadian and basically every American except for your most socialist leftists (laughs) sound a lot like Donald Trump to me. And maybe Tim. Tim doesn't sound like Donald. No, no. But again, that's the left. There's the left part right there. (laughs) Left behind. Yes. Uh, let's see. Let me try to state it as be- your argument as best as I understand it. A person can only understand the Bible and be a Christian in community. A Christian community is one that is Christ-centered. That's it. The problem is much of the argument rests on whatever it is that Christ-centered means. And from all your other talking, both sides are Christ-centered equally. It doesn't matter okay. which side you are on. You okay. To- okay. First of all, first of all, thank you. I think we have specified what Christ-centered looks like. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think we've left that nebulous. And I certainly, I don't remember ever saying, and I may have, and if I did, I apologize for giving this impression. I, I don't think all sides are equally Christ-centered. I think all sides are, are indicted by the presence of the kingdom. Now, that doesn't mean that, that both sides are equal in terms of how I see them or I, what I think their morality is. I just think that the progressive conservative continuum that exists politically rests on assumptions that themselves are called into question by the kingdom of God. Yeah. So one of the things we said uh, right before the Sermon on the Mount, we were quoting from Lee Camp's book, Scandalous Witness. And in that book, Camp was making this argument that the, the political uh, spectrum that dominates our imaginations is based on 18th century liberal, not liberal in the sense of progressive, but liberal right. democratic assumptions that flow straight from the enlightenment things like the role of the government is maximizing human rights um and um and and making sure that those rights are not infringed upon and the difference one of the major differences between the two parties is where those rights should be limited so on the left stereotypically you want to maximize rights around sexuality and marriage on the left you want to or on the okay that's on the left on the political (laughs) right excuse me you want to maximize rights around um guns and money let's just i mean that was that's way over you know simplifying right 
But the disagreement isn't over, hey, should we maximize individual rights? The disagreement is over where we should maximize individual rights. And so the point I want to make is that neither, or even if we come up with a third party, none of those parties fully capture what it is to be a kingdom of God person. By definition, they cannot capture what it means to be a kingdom of God person. Now, it doesn't follow from that that they're both equally bad. It follows, though, that both are equally indicted, meaning that when the kingdom of God erupts into the world and says maximizing your individual rights is actually the opposite of the Christ-like way of living in the world, well, that, that means you're all of a sudden off the spectrum that gives the current debate between progressive and conservative power right yeah. that once you remove yourself from that spectrum and you see human life not as a bunch of rights to be maximized but rather privileges to be expended for the sake right. of others well that radically redefines neither political party captures that no i think that's a good way it's would you say it's almost like it's we keep trying to make it one conversation yes like, and it's yes and it's not. And and it's so pegged in our imaginations that we can't imagine any exactly. other footing right. to use to have the conversation. Yeah. So um, I hope I'm not sounding like Donald Trump saying, hey, there are great people on both sides. Although there are image, <laughs> hey, there are image bearers on both sides. And yeah. as a Jesus person, I don't have the option to demonize and create enemies of other image bearers. Right. Right. I don't have that option. Now, I have all sorts of other options around hospitality and um, lament and honesty and truth-telling and all of those sorts of things. Great. But but I'm not saying both sides are equally good. I would say if, if you asked me, if, you, if we were talking just on the political partisan spectrum, I don't fit, ne- I don't fit neatly into either political category because of my right. kingdom convictions. In some cases, I would line up in the Democratic Party. In other cases, I would line up in the Republican Party. And in other cases, neither party represents what I think Jesus values for human flourishing. Which is a travesty for us in general. Like someone, our mutual friend. Yes. I think think he appreciates that title. Mm. Um, I think he was one that shared with us that picture of like the by year or by decade i think it was by year the cross-pollination between senators in blue and red and how in like 19 whatever the i can't remember what the first date was but yeah in the 20s or something they were very cross-pollinated where there's stuff that was all the way to the left and all the way to the right but there was a lot of issues where they right like co-mingled in the middle and as the years went by the decades went by those two entities and now there's nothing there's no like right no red or blue no middle near each other right and that's that doesn't work well for any of us like uh-uh. it's not healthy for our country and i think we're seeing the totally dramatic results of that so so my critique to what he's written thus far my critique of his critique is first <laughs> of all i'm super grateful for making yeah. me clarify yeah um i don't remember saying both sides are equally bad or equally good i just think both sides are equally indicted by the presence of the kingdom because both sides rest on assumptions that are called into question by the kingdom (laughs) secondly i don't think we've been unclear now if we have and i don't want to dismiss your you know you've been listening and so thank you for that and if i've come across as somebody who has not left 
who has left it unclear about what it means to be Christ-centered. Man, I don't want to leave any room for the imagination on this. To be Christ-centered is to be cruciform and, Mm. um, and to inhabit the Sermon on the Mount. That's what it is to be Christ-centered, and um, and I and I think that calling yourself Christ-centered and being Christ-centered are often two different things. Totally, because because Christ-centered can mean, hey guys, um, you know, it's like Driscoll's Church. You know, the tagline, yeah. hey, it's all about Jesus, and it yeah. wasn't all about Jesus. No, um, <laughs> and so Christ-centered looks like the Jesus we find in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the Jesus we find in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I think we gave like seven or eight characteristics of the center when we were on the center-focused, boundary-focused thing, like Jesus was Jewish and Jesus, you know, like there are central themes to his life that if it's not reflected in his body, then then we have not, we do not um, properly identify ourselves as Christ-centered. So I don't know that we've been super... I don't know. In my head, I haven't been super unclear about this. I think it's less that. I think it's more... I'm trying to think through this critique and then questions about, like, um, during the Trump era when you would say, like, uh, you have more in common with a Trump-loving Republican. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So when times like this where it's like where I'm looking at, you know, DeSantis and Abbott and the things they continually do which seem like they're anti-human... Right. Uh, I, 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 on the if I look at it on a two dimensional level, I don't have and I don't have anything in common with those. I feel or I feel that way when yeah. you see yeah. these like really extreme acts or this like really brash rhetoric. You're like, no, that that is not me. I do not agree with anything that's over there. But it's a failure of like three dimensional. Yes. Um. I, I think everyone I think a lot of people are struggling with that like we we see everything two-dimensionally we see right wrong and we have to fight wrong right and obviously right what's right and wrong will change in definition from person to person I'm just thinking out loud I'm trying to th- process why I would um, criticize and push back on some of this language and I'm wondering if it's a if it's part of like when we talk about um reimagining or or, uh not reimagining but how how we've been saying it like have a we we need to like embrace our like our imaginary thinking within some of these conversations i'm not wording that correctly but yeah uh i think that helps like he goes on in this email to say yeah let you keep going keep going on it uh let's see what did I left off? Doesn't matter which side you're on, as long as you're Christ-centered. Now, the prior sentence may be a mischaracterization of what you believe, which we kind of talked about, but you have been very consistent through your last hundred or so episodes, and both sides are equally bad or good. I don't agree with this. I'm a preacher's kid and was active was an active Christian until just before the pandemic. Both my wife and I were Christians from elementary school. We have four daughters, and we were raising them in the church. Until over the course of a four-year period, we came to the realization that we could not, in good conscience, uh, con- uh, conscience raise yeah. our children in the Christ-centered community. Church had become weekly friction in our marriage. Yeah, uh, the Christ-centered community meant you had to ignore the plights of others because if you are caring for fellow humans, they were now the center, and Christ was not. But see, but okay, but stop there for a second. 
that's not a Christ-centered community. But I think that is a lot of people's experience with yeah. church and church well, on of paper. Course. By, yeah. Of course, of uh, course, no doubt, no doubt. There is this massive pushback against any um, any uh, concern for justice, and we've we've tried through Gombas right. and and others to have like no no this is like a bit like central to the gospel is the shalom making community that is called the church yeah this is our current tension this yes right here yes is like the main so 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 one thing i would say to this person is i think you're right to have been frustrated yeah. and to leave um uh, so no doubt, but I don't know that 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 is a Christ-centered church, right? And it's like it, it, leaving, yes. And then it's like, what do we do then? Do we sit back and just criticize or just um, talk down or try to tear apart that model, or do we? reimagine it and that's right so that's i'm trying to i'm trying to throw ornaments on the tree as we go through (laughs) this because we have talked about this a lot but i like i just said i think this point right here that he just made yes is the tension where most of the listeners live in yes a lot of christians across the country live in is like i i i still want this and still believe this jesus yep i and i don't see it in jesus's house Yes. Therefore, and then people are just sitting in that. And that's a really terrible place to be sitting because that tension is not just like, a, I liked this sports team, but now they're bad. It's like, right. this is how you think the universe is a- sewn absolutely. together. So that, that's an existential tension that's huge. Well, and it is. And it, and it creates division in marriage and with kids. Totally. And, absolutely. Yeah. If, you're, if your fabric of your understanding of the world, of the universe is being torn a little bit that's going to test everything in your life but there is a fundamental problem here and 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 i think just in the for the sake of integrity we should name it and and not at all is this true of this person so but i think it's true of a lot of us and i place myself here because we've been discipled in partisan politics we no longer sit under the text um, and allow the scripture to inform our imagination. But I think a lot of us now judge the text or the churches by the preformed political convictions that we already have instead of resubmitting those political convictions to the text. And um, I could be just as guilty of that as, as anybody else. I'm sure but we all are. Well, but so this church in Tennessee, and I made this point, I think, a couple episodes ago. You know, we were, we were talking about the subject of homosexuality. And, and, and I just said, I just said it. You guys have already made up your minds on this issue. And you're just waiting for me to either agree or not so that you will vote in or out. Right. And um, that is... That is that that couldn't be more opposite to the way the church w- was envisioned to function by both Jesus and Paul. Um, it's it's in the church we have our our politics interrogated, 
by the text. Right. And, um, and so a lot of what's happening is that people just, and then this is why I'm so annoying about reading Jesus, because right. most people just don't. Yeah. We just have this preconceived view of what Jesus is like based on our already preformed political leanings. Totally. And then we, you know, naturally gravitate to those passages that that promote individual rights or freedoms. And, you know, Jesus is is for self-defense versus Jesus never had anything to say about homosexuality versus, well, Jesus talked about money, but he was critiquing something else. And I mean, you, and, and so you just sort of, you know, you stay, we stand over the scripture and we we judge it according to to the inherited worldview that our politics have given totally. to us it's almost worse now because i i read an article last week or two weeks ago that was about how um christian influencers are starting to have more of an effect on the the broad faith than pastors in america Sure. So like young TikTokers and different people that are just, they get on there and they say like the, they do those little like 30 second. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's so, and it, so that's, I mean, that's rooted in like, that's like a, even a step removed from what you just described. Like it's totally. like the, the evolution of that has gotten to this really scary place where it's rooted in just like, yeah, almost, almost like scripture is now being filtered through memes <laughs> and sure which is are then filtered through a political idea or some random ideology and that's having a profound effect that's scary yes yeah i and and the answer isn't you know control by um old white men and committees um <laughs> but i i do think the like one of the reasons why politics so captures our imaginations is because there's no alternative we've not we've yeah, not been totally. captured by the, the reality and the politics of of Jesus and the kingdom for hundreds of years yeah because the the goal of Jesus is just to get our souls into heaven it's not to do anything else and so um it's not surprising that we find ourselves in this sort of conundrum anyway uh, let's finish the email uh, so he describes that community and says, I refuse to live in this Christ-centered community. I guess now yeah. if you had to label me, I'm a humanist. I right. believe I was created and blessed in order to help others. I am one of the rich who Jesus said has hold received the reward. That's not a humanist. Right. That's a Christian. I mean, that sounds, that sounds a lot like something Jesus might say, but okay, yes. go ahead. Um, but I totally empathize so much with absolutely. this. You absolutely, absolutely. Like, I don't want. I I will. I don't care if the evangelical title ever gets reclaimed. It yeah. means nothing to me. Right. And I so I totally understand that. Um, I will continue to try to live as I read Jesus did, and I will fellowship with those who believe we should support the poor, the poor and oppressed, the widows and orphans, the immigrants and the refugees. But I no longer care if they claim the name of Jesus. I care they act like Him. Amen. Dude. Amen. And I do not support those who want to make me rich or those who want to oppress the poor, the widows, and the immigrant. I don't care if they claim to be Christ-centered. I don't think both sides are equally bad. One side promotes selfishness and greed while the selfishness and... While the... I think he means the other selfishness and generosity. It's an easy choice for me. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you, dear questioner. That was That was really good. And what a great clarifying question to sort of end on 
You know what I mean? So, so Timothy, we're going to move on from this sucker. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's time, but I, I thought you made a really great point. Like the amount of, of feedback generated by this convo is pretty, pretty crazy. And I, and I just have to let you know, dear listener, that we're always wrestling to um, between sort of two, I don't know, vocations in the podcast. One is that we're big fans of the Bible and we think that there's just goodness and truth and beauty in there, particularly as it reveals Jesus. And so, you know, like as we go through different, whether it's the Sermon on the Mount or New Creation or you know, that sort of thing. Like we think there's a lot in there worth exploring and there's so much happening in our world uh, to react to and to talk about. And so we're constantly trying to hold uh, both of those intention. And then, and then we have, you know, we find good books and authors out in the field that we're like, Oh, this person, you know, might have something interesting to say. And so that combo um, as much as we'd love to have kind of a five-year plan, um, and Tim would love that, um, there are sometimes we just sort of find ourselves, like in this conversation, just sort of floating and reacting to what's going on in um, uh, the community we're a part of. And so yeah. just thanks for putting up with this. We'll, we'll get back to Insulted. Well, maybe we'll do a couple more of those. Um, again, we've got a couple interviews um and then who knows timothy who knows no who knows maybe we'll just have a fall guy episode in the autumn it'll be great <laughs> um and and maybe we'll just do a q and a Q&A episode or something tim to sort of because we we have several others that we can get to but i really yeah, we like had, we had six or seven emails for this one but we only did one yeah well <laughs> it was a good one for yeah. sure um anyway friends We'll we'll stop it here. We've 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 what's the expression? Beat a dead horse, which is an awful expression. <laughs> that is. I'll have to look at the. Yeah, of course, but don't get it wrong, dude. Don't get don't get the etymology so of this wrong. Um, but friends, listen. Thank you. Um, it's just it's such an honor, and we both Tim and I both learned so much yes. from being a part of this. I mean, we benefit more than anybody by having to refine and think and be corrected and um, all of those sorts of things. So we're just so grateful to be able to do this. And we're grateful that you give us um, some some time and headspace, um, even if it's just to fall asleep. And we hope now you're <laughs> dreaming deeply. We should remarket of, the podcast on a separate stream as one of those Calm apps. Calm apps? Yeah. Absol- dude, absolutely. <laughs> I, I think we could just get you reading some poetry. And I yeah, think that would do it. I think Whatever. that would do Poetry it. Poetry is the spice of life. We'll bring everybody back. Okay. That's fair. Um, anyway, friends, Seth loves you, and so do we. Until next time. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to this conversation. Voxology is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that is supported by listeners just like yourself. If you'd like to partner with us, you can do so at patreon.com/voxology. 
You can also join the community and hang out and chat with us on the socials. Facebook.com backslash Voxology Podcast and on Instagram at Voxology. Thank you, thank you, thank you for walking the long road with us.